Welcome to the Elevate Experience podcast. My name is Tommy Lagan, and I'm here with Chris uh, Buenrostro. You nailed it. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, Tommy, thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely, man. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of things we can talk about and cover, oh, yeah. and I'm excited to you know have you share you know some of your story mm-hmm. um, and also... Um, what you've been doing, you know, to to be on this path that you're on right now, and the sure things thing. that are successful for you. Um, so, yeah, um, I you've been on the show before. It's been a while, but that yeah. was really focused on, you know, you were talking about IOP and facilitating IOP and what that was like for the virtual program. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, I was on the show, I want to say, you know, maybe pushing a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked you know, primarily about uh, the outpatient program and what we were doing there, sort of how that transition was from the, uh, from the inpatient to the outpatient, mm-hmm. uh, that in-person to the, you know, well, the world that the world was after COVID happened. So, right. Yeah, yeah, lots of that. Um, but, you know, since then I've been, you know, obviously continuing with the outpatient, mm-hmm. you know, love the job, love doing it. Uh, but we've been doing a lot more stuff. You, know, you and I have been working on some projects together. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that a little we'll bit have for to talk, sure. Yeah, a little bit about that. Uh, I'm going to school and then uh, also doing some research. So, uh, Oh, yeah. yeah we got We have to we'll touch on in. that on the research project <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm super excited to be here. Awesome. Um, maybe we do kick it off with a little bit of background. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about how you got in front of me in this room. Like, what's the story there? You know, like, what what led your life <laughs> to this moment? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I've been I've been in recovery for just over four years. I uh, I recently came up on that uh, mm-hmm. in August. Um, that's a well, it is a story. Um, I got sober when I was eighteen, and so I was uh, I was in college at the University of Arizona, uh, and then prior to that, you know, I had a, a pretty long history of uh, of using and drinking things of that nature. Um, but I, you know, I it really was a, it was a miracle, man, that, that my family mm-hmm. found Elevate and uh, I was given the opportunity to, to get sober. And, uh, you know, I, I actually do want to thank you uh, because you oh. played a part in that, man. So I, uh, I really appreciate, you know, thank you, man. everything that's happened from, uh, you know, from that point in, in 2018 to where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a, it's definitely been a journey. I think, uh, you know, finding, finding myself as a, as an individual has really happened for me in recovery. It was something that, you know, wasn't, um, let's say it wasn't the case before I got sober. Mm-hmm. I, I was, you know, fumbling around a bunch of different directions and uh, obviously trying different things. But mm-hmm. this process has been, uh, you know, me sort of coming into my own. And I, I you know, I, I try to live my life in a way that I can share my experience with others while also, you know, learning and growing at the same time. So that's awesome. Yeah, man. I, uh, again, I'm really, you know, happy to be here and happy to be doing this. I never thought I'd really be on. Uh, well, podcasts for one, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any other kind of media as well, uh, and especially not talking about recovery. So this this whole you know you know last four years has been an absolute whirlwind. But I uh, I'm in love with it, man. Yeah. This is uh, this is what gives my my life meaning. So that's awesome. You got yeah. a great radio voice too. Thanks. You really do. I remember listening <laughs> Thanks, to uh, the previous episode. I'm like, gosh. Chris sounds good. It's through the MacBook on the air. microphone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still, it cuts through. Uh, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so you a little bit of some addiction issues when you were in college and 
and they, it got bad enough to to the point where you wanted to you needed you needed to stop you needed to get help you needed yeah. to ask for help or were, was there an intervention or it, i mean it, do you want to talk about that at all yeah i mean yeah. that's because that's i think it's always like um important for uh you know any anyone that's listening that's that could be on the fence about getting treatment or you know a family member that's interested in you know our approach and what we do um and they're wondering like you know is is the is my son or daughter bad enough you know to to really intervene you know or do i just let them figure it out mm-hmm. and and hope for the best you know yeah. so i i just think yeah i kind of want to pull you into telling uh, a little <laughs> yeah. bit about that. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, that's a, it's a really interesting thing you said, you know, the, uh, the family members, the, yeah. you know, parents, guardians, uh, loved ones of, uh, of somebody going through addiction. Mm-hmm. So often I think that question of, yeah, is my, you know, is my son or daughter, are they bad enough <laughs> when they need to go to treatment? Yeah. That comes up for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was very much the case uh, in my experience and with my family they spent a long time, I think, asking themselves that question. You know, is it uh, is it to the point where he needs help? You know, mm-hmm. can he do it on his own? Yeah. Um, and of of course, for me, the reality was, I you know, I wasn't ready to do it on my own. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was definitely you know pushed into treatment, but ultimately it was my decision, um, and I'm extremely grateful for that. Yeah. You know, um, my family gave me the opportunity to uh, well to you know ultimately make the call. Um, but yeah, man, there was a there was a number of interventions <laughs> yeah. before that happened, um, especially you know just considering the the trouble I was getting into, mm-hmm. uh, the reality of my life that you know looking back on it now, um, just seems so outlandish, <laughs> but yeah. like really was you know what I was getting up to on a daily basis, you know the mm-hmm. the, the harm that I was putting, uh, you know myself through my family through, um, but yeah, I mean that that question about the severity of, mm-hmm. of addiction is I, I think, uh, um, that's something that maybe everybody who goes through this process struggles with at least, you know, at least at some point. Uh, and I would say there's probably no clear, uh, you know, set of, of diagnostic criteria. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, you know, this person needs inpatient addiction treatment. Um, but I, I think a, you know, a fairly good rule of thumb would be, you know, is that, uh, is the addiction interfering with other areas of, of somebody's life? Yeah. Right. Is it taking sure. away from, you know, the most important relationships? Is mm-hmm. it, um, you know, is it getting them into trouble? Is it, is it hurting their health? Uh, if we think about, you know, the, the elevate wheel of life. Yeah. Right. Is it, is it coming into, uh, into play in all of both, in all of those areas? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, that's, that's what I'd say about that. I think. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, it's personal stuff, you mm-hmm. know, and, and sometimes that's, you know, the most, powerful stuff you know is talking a little bit about those things and and you've been yeah i mean you've been with elevate for yeah four years you said yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and in august so congrats yeah. man thank on, you on your four year mark appreciate it man that's awesome yeah, yeah and um yeah what um do you care to talk a little bit about like your kind of the transition of your approach as a, as a counselor and, and working with clients, like, have you mm-hmm. noticed anything that's maybe changed about you or, um, maybe, you know, like what, what are you, um, focused on more these days when you work with the clients? Like, is there kind of a, mm-hmm. like a subject matter or 
something yeah. that you you kind of go to more often based on your experience these days mm-hmm. yeah that's a uh, that's a really good question um, I, I would say that when I when I first started counseling when I first started well training to become a counselor really uh, I was very by the book yeah uh, <laughs> especially when I you know I took the first sort of position as a uh, as a counselor I was working up in Tahoe mm-hmm. um, and I got a lot of you know I got a lot of pushback uh, from some of the clients, from some of the staff, just with regards to uh, how rigid uh, I would sort mm-hmm. of try to follow the, um, you know, not just the program guidelines, but that sort of, um, I expected a lot, we can mm-hmm. say. Uh, and I think I still expect a lot. Of the clients. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, uh, also of myself, you know, and, and I would say that mm-hmm. my approach has changed uh, a whole bunch throughout the you know, the last four years, really, because I've I feel like I've grown as an individual. Yeah. Uh, I've really done some growing up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that is a, that's certainly a reality. But um, in terms of subject matter uh, that I try to focus on more than anything else, um, the stuff that really calls to me Mm -hmm. and what feels like does the most good, especially in a group setting Mm -hmm. is, is trying to call out a, a balanced evaluation about the the costs and benefits associated with staying sober. Yeah. Because it is a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And in I would say especially for especially for young people, but um but just as much for, you know, uh, for people that in more advanced stages or you know, have been in addiction for a long time, there's a lot that you're giving up when yeah. you decide to get sober. Um and and with that, I think that decision is a, it's got a lot of weight to it. And so to mm-hmm. say that you know sobriety is at least initially only good things, <laughs> or to mm-hmm. say that it's required and that there aren't any any downsides to it, I think is selling the problem a little bit short. Yeah. Um, and so helping clients to develop that sort of balanced evaluation of you know what is it that I'm giving up, what is it that I stand to gain if yeah. I get sober, right? And uh, and then making a decision from there, mm-hmm. right? Because ultimately, you know, without that decision, without them wanting to get sober, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and so really doing that, but but helping them in that way to sort of develop an understanding or develop a, 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 maybe a better perspective on what it is that they're giving up if they're not sober. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's made a lot of sense to me recently uh, and I think is, is landing pretty well is focusing on sort of the... Uh, I would almost say that the gain to society that mm. uh, that people can give as a result of their recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, people are amazing creatures, man. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it is it is my pride and joy every time I you know I run a session or I work with a client uh, to see that sort of that spark of like mm-hmm. oh like I'm actually worth something and I can contribute mm-hmm. this to the world. Seeing uh, their value, yeah, and getting a client to see that you know, that there is a reason to basically live yeah. and, and contribute to society in a positive manner. That's right. That's right. It's like, it's, it's getting those values articulated. Yeah. What is it that you actually care about? You know, how would that thing improve if you, if you got this right, mm-hmm. if you stayed sober long term, like how would your contribution towards these areas improve? What would be the benefit of that? Like what would be the result of it? Uh, and then just, well, and then there's just getting there. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I, you know, one of the things I said recently, and I think it, I think it rang true, is that the, the absence of your best is a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's like you, you get you get clients, especially, and you know, I, I've always connected, I think, a little bit more with 
with clients that are around my age. Yeah. <laughs> so younger ones. Yeah. Um, but, but just that, you know, that, that potential that, that you have as a, you know, as an individual who, you know, has an opportunity to get sober and, mm -hmm. and to get their act together and to contribute to their family, to be there when you, you know, when they need you, uh, is, a, it is a tragedy to see that go to waste. Right. And, and mm -hmm. that's something that we actually do have control over. You know, we can do something about that. Uh, and so just trying to recruit that self-efficacy. Uh, yeah. And so to, to answer your question, the things that I focus the most on are, are the development of those values, uh, the articulation of the values. And then, you know, what are the roadblocks? What are the things mm -hmm. that are going to come up uh, over the course of, of your recovery? Let's let's figure them out now so that when you you know, when you face these things, whether it's the, you know, the death of a loved one whether it's the, uh, you know, the triggers or cravings to use, whether it's going into situations that could potentially, you know, uh, lead you to relapse. What mm -hmm. are the things that you need to watch out for and how can you use your resources to better attack them and, and ultimately to overcome those things? So. I love that. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so to me, I'm, yeah, I hear cost-benefit analysis, but like sure. going deeper yeah. into that. Mm -hmm. And I, th I that's really, you know, it's a tool that's used in uh, smart recovery. It's used in, it's used at elevate in the, in the program, you know, several different evaluations of that kind of idea, you know, and, and I like what you're saying as far as like how that ties into like your self-worth as a person, your purpose in life and, and looking at, um, yeah. Um, the way you said it was interesting. Like, yeah. What you're losing mm -hmm. kind of a thing. And yeah. it, which has kind of a, uh, for a lot of clients, <clears throat> I guess that if you're in recovery and you're thinking about, um, you've been in recovery for a while, you're, you're seeing everything that you're gaining. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but like when you're in that state sure. and you're in the, those early stages, it, it does feel like you're just losing everything. Everything. Like everything's <laughs> gone. Yeah. Everything you know about. Yeah. Like, um, problem solving <laughs> it, it's exactly <laughs> or, right or just yeah like how you cope and deal with mm -hmm. life stress it just feels yeah. like you don't have uh, help anymore yeah almost uh, right you know we we give up our substances of choice it's yeah. it's mourning the loss of a loved one yeah <laughs> you know of a, of a best, best friend, friend. yeah uh, absolutely um mm -hmm. you know when we first get sober and this is this was absolutely true for me uh, but I, you know, I see it true for a, a lot of people that I work with, mm -hmm. friends that I talk to, you know, other counselors. Uh, when we first stop using, all we do is lose the thing that helped us the most. Yeah, it's like you get sober and suddenly, you know, there goes that thing that you were using as your cure all for everything. And so, really, things have got measurably worse mm -hmm. <laughs> the second you get sober. And it takes some time uh, to to start building reasons to stay clean. Yeah. Right. Because at the start, there's just about nothing. Like maybe things have gotten bad enough where you can sort of wrap your head around like, okay, I need to stop this. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's like, you know, and even if you can, there are so many reasons to go back to using because it is like, you know, like you said, that sort of, uh, that coping mechanism. Yeah. Um, but it does take, it does take time. And I think that's where the, the gratitude comes in. That's mm -hmm. where those sort of daily micro improvements come in that we, you know, really try to stress in the program. That's how the routine comes in. It's like, as you do these things, you start to build, uh, you know, a little hill of reasons to stay sober. Yeah. Uh, and and that hill turns into a mountain, right? And, you know, those those little improvements become exponential, and like suddenly you're looking down and you realize that things are way better than they were when you were using. Uh, to the point where like, 
the the prospect of going back seems ridiculous. Yeah, uh, and I think that's that's where we should try to you know continue to be right is on that on that climb. And granted, there's ups and downs, but <laughs> it's uh that's the process, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can, you know it really you can tell by the way you talk about the stuff that you're really passionate. And I love it. And <laughs> and the clients, you know, every every client that I talk to that's worked with you is always, you know, praising you. Thanks, Tom. And I know you hear that. You've heard it from me. You've heard it from, you know, uh, Aaron, somebody else that we work with a mm. lot. And it's kind of like, I, I know I do a good job, but you really do a good job. And oh. the clients, they really get a lot out of just who you are as a counselor and you know, these ideas that you're sharing on the air. Um, so just wanted to acknowledge you again, you know, in this setting. <laughs> Thanks man. And, um, so you're doing something really unique, uh, right now, uh, yeah. for elevate and just for addiction treatment and you're, you're sure doing, uh, this study. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, yeah. and so Tell us about it. Tell us. Okay. Where do we start with that? Yeah, like setting the stage for what you're doing. Yeah. Sure um, thing. Maybe how that came up and, and how you integrated mm. it into Elevate and how it's currently happening right now yeah. at Elevate. That's it, yeah, yeah. It'll be super cool, uh, I think, for the listeners to hear about it. And it's really exciting. Awesome. Yeah, well, uh, I'm certainly excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think we can, we can start at the... I, I would say the beginning of of this sort of well the perspective I've taken recently um, I started going to school at Santa Clara University I you know about I want to say about three years ago um, I was I was working towards my counseling certification and uh, just became enamored with the idea of like actually finishing my degree yeah uh, and so I, I initially I went back to the University of Arizona uh, online um, sort of just to prove it to myself that I could do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'd like voice that reason and it kind of sounded silly, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to go back and I'm going to ace it yeah. uh, and see what I can learn. Uh, and so I switched my, ma my major to psychology and, and, and I did well. Mm -hmm. And I transferred to Santa Clara University when I sort of ran out of classes to take at the U of A. Yeah. Um, Santa Clara was close to where I live right now. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it just seemed like a really interesting and a well and beautiful campus and, and, totally. and a great organization. So my mom went there. Yeah. I told you that. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's a it's a great school. I can attest. Um, so, I, you know, I've been going there since um, I started just over well, about a year ago. Um, and I'm finishing up my, my last year right now. Mm hmm. And during this time, I actually it was the first quarter I was there. I met a professor there um, by the name of Dr. Thomas Plant, uh, and his research is primarily on uh, sort of the integration of uh, religious theology and psychotherapy. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he's done a lot of work with the Catholic Church. Um, a couple of the of the you know papers and articles that he's done have dealt specifically with uh, you know allegations of sexual abuse in the Catholic Church, so things of that nature. Um, but his interest now is in this uh, this prayer called the Examine, uh, which is a 500-year-old Jesuit uh, introspective exercise, and uh, his interest stems from the idea that this this prayer is a cognitive behavioral intervention mm -hmm. uh, that was created obviously long before <laughs> the dawn of CBT. Yeah, uh, and right. so w I was in one of his classes. Loved the guy's teaching style, uh, and we got to talking about the Examine. 
Um, and, you know, we went back and forth a little bit and he mentioned that there was, you know, pretty much no research on, uh, on this, this introspective exercise, this prayer. It's about a 15 minute end of day, um, you know, reflective exercise. The idea is to center yourself, to find gratitude, uh, to review the day's events, to ask yourself, you know, at what turns today could I have made, you know, better decisions? You know, what did I do? What did I do, you know, that that didn't live up to my potential? And then finally, to set sort of measurable goals in relation to, uh, you know, either the next day or the next few hours. And so it's a sort of, uh, it's this beautiful integrated uh, you know, psychotherapeutic intervention that you can do uh, on an individual level, right? It's got everything. It's got the, the centering, it's got the reflection, the gratitude, uh, the recounting of the day's experiences, and ultimately those goals. Uh, and so I mentioned to him, you know, what if we did this in an addiction treatment population and we, we right. see if it, if it helped people out, right? If this is mm-hmm. something, because it seemed like, at least at face value, that this, uh, this prayer, if adapted to the kind of populations that we work with, which, you know, for those that are listening, are definitely mm-hmm. not religious, uh, if we could, you know, right. if we could get an effect. Uh, and so that's what we've been doing uh, over the last about six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we've been working with Elevate. Uh, to uh, implement this uh, this examine in a secularized uh, sec- secularized excuse mm-hmm. me uh, form uh, for our clients right uh, and to try to uh, you know have them do this exercise uh, and then to track their progress longitudinally uh, with regard to how they they do on all sorts of different measures uh, so we're talking meaning in life uh, compassion ethics development mm-hmm. uh, cravings and triggers so things of that nature that's awesome man so what does that look like for the client? Yeah. Um, like how, how is that? I guess you touched on it, um, briefly, but just to make it crystal clear, like what, how is the client experiencing this in their program? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, as I said, you know, it's an end of day prayer end and, of day. And so, so this is something their day. Yeah. This is something that is done. Uh, I think in, in the iteration that we have it now, it will be just before dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sort of the end of their, uh, you could say psychoeducational or academic uh, right. sections of the program. Um, you know, it'll be done in a group setting, uh, so very mm-hmm. similar to the uh, the mindfulness exercises that are done currently at Elevate, mm-hmm. um, and and also you know in, in tons of other programs. Um, but it, you know, importantly, it's going to take the place of the uh, the mindfulness exercises that are currently you know a part of the program. And so, uh, the first half of the study is, uh, is is sort of seeing you know how does the mindfulness practice affect client outcomes mm-hmm. on all of these different measures as well. Uh, so we're just wrapping up that uh, that first bit. Okay. Um, but yeah, the uh, the mindfulness practice, at least that sort of um, that actual you could say group exercise mm-hmm. will be replaced by the exam and intervention. Clients will participate in that uh, you know once per day, uh, and then we're going to track them sort of every two weeks on uh, you know all of these different measures. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, and, and where is it at so far? Have, um, has has there anything interesting come about from this? Or, I mean, I'm, I know you're probably looking at some of the data uh, that's yeah. coming in, and and is it kind of panning out the way you expected, or it's still a work in progress? Hard to say anything at this point. Sure thing. So uh, we know that the mindfulness practice is uh, at baseline an incredibly useful intervention uh, across all levels of of psychotherapy, right? Uh, from addiction treatment to PTSD, anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. anorexia, you name it. Uh, the mindfulness practice is something that you know you can get an effect, yeah. <laughs> and this is you know evident in the psychological literature as well. Um, and so, a, as far as 
the first bit of the study, we're testing with the program as is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I can't, you know, reveal any results just yet. <laughs> that's, that's very ethical and, but, and definitely fair. Yeah, yeah. Understood. But going forward, uh, you know, we're hoping to publish. So anyone who's interested, uh, you know, can check that out. Where, <laughs> once where we get can there. they find it? Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, you know, we're hoping to publish in... Uh, a few different academic journals, particularly, uh, you know, pastoral psychology, mm-hmm. uh, things that, uh, you know, spirituality and clinical practice uh, in journals such as that. Um, so that's the hope uh, with regard to uh, to getting it out into the world. Um, but I, I think, you know, we're, we're fairly confident that the examine will be, you know, at least as, as effective as the mindfulness practice. Um, and, it, you know, it, it, it comes from a sort of uh, a knowledge base uh, that has been, I think fleshed out uh, much more over the last couple of decades, uh, especially in academia. Um, you know, the, the, obviously the mindfulness practice is something that has been, um, you know, secularized from mm-hmm. uh, from another tradition. Right? right, it's something that, um, you know, that along with yoga, along with other mm-hmm. practices, uh, have become very much mainstream in the uh, in the Western intellectual tradition mm-hmm. uh, over the last you know fifty sixty years. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, particularly with the start of you know John Cabot Zinn's work mm-hmm. uh, in in the West, and of course you know now it's it's pretty much a mainstay. These sort of third generation therapies. Uh, we're we're talking things like uh, MBSR, uh, mindfulness based mm-hmm. stre- uh, stress re- reduction. Mm-hmm. Um, like the more program, um, you know, just the mindfulness practice in general, transcendental meditation or TM. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of different sort of takes on this this concept of just an introspective practice. We think that this examine, uh, you know, could be an alternative and maybe particularly useful uh, in treating religious individuals, right? right. So someone, you know, someone, you know, Catholic, Christian, uh, really, really any religious, uh, you know, organization. Uh, so we're thinking that, you know, that's definitely a, a potential path for the future, mm-hmm. uh, but also that the uh, you know this Jesuit tradition, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's incredibly rich sort of academic tradition. Um, it also has you know plenty of other uh, you know interventions that are are ripe for the picking, <laughs> if you right. will, and so, to do the same kind of studies with yeah. and, and expand on this idea yeah. of having evidence mm-hmm. that these traditions actually hold weight in the the clinical space. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, we think that, you know, obviously uh, mindfulness and meditation and, you know, that nature has become a mainstay. There Mm -hmm. are so many other interventions uh, that we just haven't talked about, haven't tested, haven't really looked into. And the examine is one of those Mm -hmm. uh, that we think could be, you know, extremely beneficial for clients that are that are going through addiction. Uh, and so we hope to uh, to look at the the wealth of Jesuit, of Catholic, of Christian, of uh, you know of other you know not just Abrahamic religions, uh, mm-hmm. but other religions in general uh, that may have uh, you know interventions that are of utility for people that are struggling with addiction. Right. Um, so that's the hope, and you know we don't have any results yet, but we'll let you know. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's really interesting. Just yeah. having evidence related to religion. And these prayers and, and things like that. Mm. Um, not to go down this path, but my mind can't help itself. Um, Please. Just in you know today's society and a lot of the clients that we work with, you know, um, they're not they're not religious, right? right? And and we're living in a world where it's like, where's the studies? Where's the evidence that this works? We're not buying into stuff as much, and so That's it's right. an interesting. Uh, how this work is kind of, um, you know, bringing us back to maybe something that society starting to lose 
in a sense. Sure. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if you saw I was going there with this, but um, <laughs> uh, do you have anything to say Abs- on that? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think it's a, uh, I want to make sure that I word this correctly. I, first of all, am, you know, I, I was raised, uh, you know, in, in the Christian church. I was raised, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Episcopalian. Uh, I don't identify as religious currently. Mm-hmm. Um, however, and, you know, over the last couple of years, uh, I've begun to appreciate, and I think, um, you know, there's a lot of, well, at least literature that, that appreciates it. Uh, the contributions that it, the, you know, religion in general has made to, uh, or religious individuals have made to, to science. You know, right. uh, Mendel <laughs> was mm-hmm. a monk, right? <laughs> but among others, um, I think it's a, a, it would be a waste to, uh, to do away with this, you know, this wealth of literature uh, without diving into it. I think there's absolutely some value in just seeing what's there um, mm. with regard to this, you know, Western intellectual tradition. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, a, you know, I don't think that this is going back in time at all as much as, you know, uh, potentially integrating some of these, uh, some of these practices, you know, whether they're religious prayers or something else, uh, into uh, into modern psychotherapy, I think it's absolutely in a secularized. Yeah, way yeah. and in a sense, yeah, and and very much in the same way as the as the mindfulness practice or yoga has been sort of stripped of its religious context. I, I think we can do the same with things like the examine. Wow. So that's the uh, you know that's that's the motivation for that. Well said, man. Thank you. Yeah, you know that really paints a good picture. And, um, well, yeah, thank you for doing that work and being a part of that. And, you know, and I guess on behalf of Elevate, including Elevate, you know, in this, this study, I think it's really cool. Well, I'm, uh, I'm extremely grateful, uh, to Elevate for allowing this to happen and, and supporting it throughout. I mean, you, you guys have been a, well, an absolute pleasure to work with as always. <laughs> awesome, man. Awesome. But, yeah, man. It's a, uh, you know, we're always trying to figure out, and I think this sort of gets to the root of it. Uh, what is it that works in addiction treatment? Yeah. Right. What about these interventions, whether, like we said, you know, whether it's mindfulness, whether it's, um, you know, other types of therapy, you know, what's at the core of the most successful evidence-based interventions? Right. Uh, And so I think this is going to give us an idea uh, about some of that. I'll give you an example of sort of this, uh, this, this question. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was reading a paper recently. I want to say it was, you know, maybe as early as 2018, but probably 2021 at the latest, um, they tested, uh, it was prolonged exposure therapy, and I'll explain what that is in a second, uh, versus transcendental meditation. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll do the same. Uh, versus treatment as usual for uh, patients with PTSD. Okay. Right, so sort of long-form post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. Um, not sure if it was complex or not. But... Uh, Prolonged exposure is the gold standard therapy for PTSD treatment. And mm-hmm. basically the idea with prolonged exposure is uh, you are therapeutically uh, walking somebody through the depths of their trauma. So you, you, know, you take the locus of that PTSD. Right. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll cite a case study. as uh, an individual who uh, you know, was basically involved in a car crash um, and, and lost his family. And so you can think about, you know, an event such as that, a therapist will walk an individual through that event sort of play by play, Mm -hmm. um, you know, until they can't anymore. 
uh, and they do this several times. Right. Uh, and each time they're asked to sort of think about, you know, the exact emotions that were coming up, you mm-hmm. know, the feelings associated with what was going on, uh, the events themselves, the physical, you know, things in the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all of those things and really try to make it as real as possible. They usually do it with their eyes closed, uh, really try to experience that thing. Mm-hmm. They tested prolonged exposure, which is that, yeah. against transcendental meditation, uh, which is basically unstructured meditation. It's just sitting, uh, at least in this study, uh, with very little uh, guidance. Mm-hmm. V- exactly. Gotcha. Transcendental meditation was at least as effective as prolonged exposure for uh, decreases in PTSD overall symptoms at mm-hmm. the end of the study. Interesting. And so you look at something like that and you ask yourself, well, what the heck's going on there? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, the, the first one seems extremely painful for the, the client or yeah. patient. But it, it, it does work. You're right. right? The, the idea is that that, that confrontation is mm. at the core of uh, so many, uh, well, modes of, of, of therapy. You think yeah. about the, uh, you know, the Elevate program, we do the responsibility step. Uh, right. which is really that conf- that long-form confrontation yes. with <laughs> the reality of our past. Uh, and in, you in know, detail, yeah. recalling, mm-hmm. disclosing, yeah. sharing yeah. with, you know, your counselor. Yeah. Anyways, it, um, so you, there was a third. Yes. Um, oh. You said... Um, well, the, uh, the Elevate program does the responsibility step. Right. AA does the fourth step. Right. Right. And at therapy in the treatment of something like agoraphobia or really mm. any phobia uh, also does a very similar confrontation process. Right. Mm. You are you're going to dive into the situations that scare you. Right. right? And so whether that's, you know, whether that's the events of the past mm-hmm. uh, or things that you're anxious about in the future, really the curative uh, mechanism is that confrontation. Mm-hmm. And so that's what prolonged exposure is, right, is that confrontation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then you, you see a study like this and you and it is, you know, much better than what the, you know, what the other treatments that are available to us are, mm-hmm. right, or, or what they can offer with regard to success rates. So it does work. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, you see a study like this and you ask yourself, well, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, and so I, it, the question that calls to me mm-hmm. really is, uh, is how can we better understand exactly what's going on when somebody is, you know, for instance, recovering from addiction? Mm-hmm. What's going on in their brain, you know, at a neurological level? What's going on with their behavior? You know, how is their affect changing? Uh, and what are the, the primary motivators, the primary drivers of that, uh, of that change in, in overall behavior? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what interests me, man. And, and we're, uh, we're, we're doing something towards it. So. No, that's amazing. Really well put and I think that's some really good information yeah. uh, you know for anyone that's interested Thanks. in addiction or works in the field um, yeah very interesting and I'm excited to see what you do in the next few years here <laughs> well uh, I have no plans of stopping yeah uh, and uh, <laughs> we're just going to try to get this one done first but yeah yeah the, the <laughs> examine yes. for sure yes but I, I you know I'm a I am confident uh, that the examine will show us something uh, you know, even if it's uh, you know as effective as mindfulness or effective in different ways, um, we'll have something uh, mm-hmm. because right now, you know, there's no empirical evidence uh, really, is in, especially in addiction treatment populations, about the effectiveness of of this type of intervention. And so yeah. we think there's there's a lot of potential for uh, the sort of integration of this 
uh, of this you know religious practice in, in a secularized form for individuals that that aren't religious and, and are suffering yeah so. wow exciting it's exciting stuff yeah <laughs> well my 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 mind's going to exercise now oh yeah let's talk it about is it is because <laughs> if you're if you're listening to this you have, you're, you're not getting the picture of how fit Chris is sitting in front of me. Thanks, Tom. He's extremely fit and strong. um, And obviously exercise is a huge part of your life. Yeah. And, um, and, and more importantly, it's been a huge part of your recovery. And that's something that this show has definitely talked, uh, touched on numerous times about, huh? (laughs) Yeah. And, but it's, it's so important and it's, uh, you know, a subject that, you know, um, it can't really be hammered home enough. And uh, there's so yeah. many uh, clients who, uh, some you know, they don't, I feel like they don't take to the idea mm-hmm. as well as others. For and, sure. you know, so the more people uh, that have actually integrated exercise as this, you know, uh, you know, very important element in their life and is a, you know, they look at it as a part of their recovery from addiction. Um, it's, it's interesting to hear, um, each and every person, uh, share a little bit about that, what that's like for them and, and why it's important, why it works for them. Um, so, uh, yeah. How, yeah. um, I guess the question is, um, uh, for you just to kind of, um, get you talking about exercises. Sure. Yeah, what what was that like for you getting in into exercise as a almost as an intervention for yeah, your you know for, for sure. mental health for you know so many other elements? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thanks for asking, and uh, you flatter me. <laughs> 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 um, the you know I I I had some uh, some experience with uh, you know. Well, playing sports in high school, you know, running, uh, you know, doing a little bit of martial arts, but never mm. really seriously, um, you know, into fitness prior to uh, prior to going to rehab, you know, yeah. and and at Elevate, I was introduced to CrossFit, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, that was something that I stuck with for a little bit, uh, about maybe a year. I was doing CrossFit pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, most of what I do is is weightlifting, but you know, ultimately the. Uh, the type of exercise is of little importance. Yeah, I, I would say that the uh, what's what is most important, or what has been most instrumental in my recovery, has been the consistency, the discipline, and the mental state that mm. arises from uh, from that scheduled exertion. Yeah, uh, it is so incredibly beneficial for just my general mental health. Um, I totally understand, you know, not wanting to work out, feeling as though, you know, uh, getting up and, and dragging yourself to the gym is a chore. I totally get it <laughs> because yeah. it absolutely can be, uh, especially starting out. Um, but, I, you know, I would say that the, that fitness has been, you know, if not the most, uh, one of the most beneficial things in my recovery. Uh, it's allowed me to feel, you know, a sense of control over, you know, over my body, mm-hmm. uh, over the things I do every day. Um, the, you know, the sort of physical aspect of working out is, it, at least for me, it's been, it's always been secondary to um, just the benefit of, of perspective, of, you know, sort of, of groundedness, of, mm. um, of knowing that, you know, you know, I have the ability to push myself. 
uh, doing that every day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, it's empowering. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, especially in, you know, addiction treatment, um, and this is true, I think for, you know, anything in, in mental health, but especially disorders where we're, we're worried about controlling ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Because, it, you know, at least for me, uh, a lot of, a lot of my addictive behavior stemmed at least initially out of, uh, an inability or a, uh, a pull against just sitting in my own skin. Uh, like being comfortable in my own body was, you know, always something that was difficult for me growing up. And uh, it was something that, you know, was granted to me by exercise, by working out consistently. Um, not only did I feel, you know, I looked better, mm-hmm. but I felt like I felt, I felt better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and so there's, you know, that's, a, there's absolutely that component uh, to exercise. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would say it's there's, been, there's that element of, pushing yourself to discomfort yeah right sure. and willingly and yeah. so when that kind of physical discomfort arises through other could be environmental stimuli or yeah some sort of emotional situation with somebody close to you mm. it's almost as though there's that a conditioning to yes. that feeling which you know is is learned and tolerated more through mm. um exercise i you're I could, couldn't yeah. have said it better myself. <laughs> I think you're. Well, no, I think you're absolutely you're right. You're that. saying a lot of things really well. So <laughs> thanks, Tom. Uh, no, man, you're you're totally right. It is that, um, and and this is true. I think for for something like the mindfulness practice as well, right? But mm-hmm. it, it's it, and I think they they share this about them. Fitness and sort of and and meditation is that we're we are controlling ourselves when we do that, right? Yeah. Uh, and it is training the ability to stand up to stress, to stand up mm-hmm. to discomfort uh, by working out consistently, by you know maintaining any kind of consistent practice like that. We are putting ourselves in an uncomfortable position, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and through that that discomfort, that you know the discipline that gets us through that, it builds strength. Yeah. Uh, and and it it's it literally physically makes us stronger but it also tells us that oh i can i can overcome this challenge right and so you know i remember even early on uh, in my recovery it was like i you know i'd get up in the morning and i'd work out and then my my cognition was well the hardest part of my day is done yeah <laughs> so let's go you know let's go kick it you know let's let's do whatever i have to do yeah. uh, whether it's you know go to school go to work whatever you know i've already done something i've already i've already kicked my own ass for yeah. lack of a better word um, and so I, you know, the rest of the day is like, I can totally do this. Nothing's going to beat you up more than you beat up yourself yeah. that morning. Yeah. <laughs> nothing's going to come close to that. In, in a good way, you know? In a, yeah. In yeah. a 100% yeah. the most positive way possible. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. So there's that, I think there's that aspect too that, yeah. uh, that has been super beneficial for my recovery. It's just, it's, it's the understanding that like, you know, I really can control myself. And especially around, you know, substances, especially around things that uh, that would potentially, you know, lead me to lead me back to using. Mm-hmm. I, I'll give you an example. Um, when I first got sober, conversations about, you know, my substance of choice, um, I, you know, I take an you know, example of cocaine. Right. A conversation about using cocaine mm-hmm. was enough for me to literally crave the substance for hours, like yeah. like staring at the ceiling. <laughs> Like, you know, obsessing, obsessing mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of the year, like until I fell asleep, you know? Um, and I have a very vivid memory of that. 
Mm. And before even getting sober, you know, it was like a craving would come up and then I'd be using, mm. right? There wasn't, there was no sort of, um, there was little disconnect between that. It was just, you know, the, it, it almost felt like I was being controlled. Uh, and so this, you know, it, you know, working out, you know, through meditating, through like doing this recovery work has sort of taught me that like, I don't need to give into those things as those cravings come up, as those triggers come up, it's like, you can just, you can just let them pass. You yeah. are strong enough to, uh, to overcome those things. And, uh, you know, I'll give you a recent example. And maybe one of the things that we'll talk about as, as we progress today, uh, but sort of doing things in recovery that, you know, you would do when you were using, uh, mm. and, and not, you know, not necessarily, you know, going back to old behaviors or things of that nature, but doing things like going to concerts, you know, yeah. or, you know, going to, you know, restaurants that you want to go to that have a bar, you right. know, whatever that looks like, um, allowing yourself to be around, you know, people that are using and drinking, um, but not feeling as though you need to also be doing that. Right. So yeah, I was, I know you, yeah. I know you recently, uh, we, we were talking the other day and that we were, you were, you were touching on how you just recently went to a concert and for the first time. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I know you're, you're getting into that, but I, 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 I think it's really important, uh, mm-hmm. for anyone who's listening. Um, if you, could share that yeah absolutely. and what that process was like and how long you waited as well you <laughs> yeah. know which is also super unique and smart too you know um the, there's there was a period of time where you waited until you yeah really became comfortable with your recovery yourself mm. your life sure. all those things yeah uh well let's just you know i know how i was yeah <laughs> <laughs> in the past when it came to uh, we'll use the example of, of festivals but I think you know we uh, we did touch on that and, and I would love to talk about that too I waited about you know three and a half almost four years um, before I went to you know a concert where I knew lots of people were going to be drinking and using yeah uh, that was something that I truly felt for you know for years that I would not be able to experience uh, to the degree that I had when I was using I felt that, you know, uh, especially something like, you know, EDM music uh, was a love mm-hmm. of mine prior to getting sober. Um, and I, I felt as though I couldn't experience that to its fullest yeah. uh, at all uh, without substances, right? Whether, you know, whatever it was, alcohol, marijuana, you know, psychedelics, whatever. It felt so ingrained in that culture, mm-hmm. um, so ingrained in that style of music that mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was too much to even consider going and, and, and doing that. Recently, I did uh, sober, uh, and I, I'll say this first before we get into the rest of it. Um, I felt as though if I had used the the acquisition of, the sneaking in, the taking of, the then maintenance of your high, and ultimately the withdrawal from mm. uh, any substance of abuse would have been an active detriment to my experience <laughs> at this concert. Totally. I I showed up with a camelback full of water and, <laughs> and that was it. And I had the time of my life. Uh, Buddy and I went uh, to a you know to, to a music festival near us and I we had so much fun. Um, I truly felt and I was, you know, so worried about this prior to going. It was actually, you know, it was his idea. He was like, yo, let's go to this concert. And I was like, ah, all right, you know. I I had never experienced you know uh, something to that degree. It was it was a it was a blast, man. I, I you know I felt like I was my authentic self, which was really what I was trying to be. Yeah. Uh, when I was under the influence all of those times uh, when I was you know before I got sober, 
Uh, and so, you know, that was, you know, in of itself, not without its challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was confronted with, um, you know, for the first time since getting sober on that day, uh, somebody doing cocaine in front of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we were like at this, you know, at somebody's house. We'd gone over before we were, you know, to go to the concert. And uh, your guy busts out a, a sack, of, sack of cocaine. And he offers me a line. He's like, hey, you want some? I said, no, thank you. Wow. <laughs> and, and that was it. Right. Whereas, you know, four years ago, that was a like, I'm staring at the ceiling for three hours, right? Craving the substance from a conversation about Mm -hmm. it. Um, I was able, I felt the, like the adrenal response. It was like instantly I was sort of like, oh, like we got to watch out here. Right. (laughs) You know, I said, no, thank you. And I, you know, I excused myself. Mm -hmm. We get into the Uber to go to this, to go to this concert. And by then, it was it was gone. It was gone, right? Yeah. And so we're talking less than five minutes of even thinking about it, uh, from literally hours from just talking about the substance. And so, you know, it, it is absolutely possible to live your life, you know, craving free, even in the face of these things. But, you know, I I recognize, and this is something I tell my clients all the time. You know, there's this is something that takes time. Yeah. Right? This is something that takes, you know, for me, it took years to even feel comfortable going to a concert because mm-hmm. I knew something like that, you know, probably would happen. And I was right. <laughs> you, know? you called it. Yeah. But, you know, it, good foresight. Yeah. But I was ready, you know, yeah. and uh, and and it wasn't enough to take me down. Right. And so and I, you know, we go to the concert and I had you know, just the time of my life. It was so mm-hmm. much fun. Um Let me so, get no, I want to yeah. I want to get you to back up for a second. Absolutely. So you, you said you excused yourself. So tell me. Um, what was that like? Like, what did you do? Absolutely. Did you, did you, did you step outside? Did you take a few deep breaths? Did you just, did you have to work through anything? I mean, we're talking like years after yeah. using the substance and, yeah, and, yeah. and, and something like stimulants has that really, it can, it can have a powerful They've effect. Got a kick. The, the memory, it, you know, if you're re-stimulated to the point where like you're, you feel the high almost in yeah, a sense, absolutely. like for a split second. Yeah. Um, and at least that's my experience. Um, yeah. Cause I, I'd, I'd use, um, you know, stimulants. So, uh, I stimulants. Yeah. I'll just broadly <laughs> say stimulants, but, well, um, yeah. What was that like know, when you excused yourself? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you do anything unique? Um, I'll, program tool wise. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you the play by play. Um, so we, we were sitting in a room, um, just somebody's TV room, and you know, it, full disclosure, we had walked in, and there's a there's like a, a dab rig on the table. Oh yeah, you know, and you know, offered a you know a drink, and That's this is you know, this time. is all this has all happened before, <laughs> you know, so this yeah. is fine, you know, it's like all right, let's you know, no thank you, I don't drink. Told these guys, hey, you know, I'm I'm sober. I was with my buddy who was yeah. also not you know also not drinking. And so we were just, you know, having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, guy comes in, you know, you know, busts it out on the table, offers right. me some. I said, no, thank you. Um, mm-hmm. And I called an Uber. I just you know, pulled out my phone, called an Uber to the to the concert. I was like, hey, man, let's let's head out. Um, Uber was like five minutes away. And yeah. so um, just for that time, I was just I just had a conversation with my friend. And so mm-hmm. um, there was I would say there was, you know, internally physiologically i felt you know heart rate went up mm-hmm. um i told myself all right like a couple deep breaths mm-hmm. you're good uh there was that like you said that sort of um you almost feel high yeah. for a second mm-hmm. um but it wasn't to the degree that it had been 
you know i yeah. you know cuz i i know that feeling right of mm-hmm. of seeing that substance that you you've used on the table or whatever or being offered it you know that was something that you know i was no stranger to before i got sober right there was that that craving aspect but you know i would say and, and this is this is something that we talk about in sessions all the time is it's like you know that thing doesn't control you and that's just an object. Yeah. It's okay. Right. One of the things that the Elevate program, I think, does really well and and was incredibly useful for me was the realization that, like, it's just an object. And mm-hmm. so doing something like the triggers exercise yeah. um, where you're, like, you're confronted with that sort of, with that substance was in- insanely beneficial for me in that moment mm-hmm. because I could just treat it like that. It was like, this is just... You could tap yeah. into that realization and yeah. use it as a tool in the moment. Yeah. That's that's what I that's what I'm yeah, hearing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's a I think the realization from triggers is that um is that just, you know, looking at something, looking at your substance of choice mm-hmm. does not mean you have to engage with it. Right? This right. this thing is just an object. It's just a substance. It's not it's not going to do anything to you mm-hmm. unless you do something with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so no, absolutely. So it's you know it was that realization from triggers and just like spending so much time. I remember you know I spent days staring at you know at my drugs of choice during that you know during that part of the right. of the program. Um, totally came into play. You know it was like I can I can look at this. I'll be okay. Right. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that it, you know necessarily has to make me relapse or make me use. And then in that moment as well, it's like. I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. Right. <laughs> and so I always, well, you know, I tell my clients, I'm like, you know, I'm kind of cheating at this, you know, because you because, have that identity to yeah, yeah, fall yeah. on as like, this isn't, this is no longer me. Yeah. And, and, and it's a really good motivation to yeah. stay. That's what the, yeah. Like the community, mm. um, all these different communities out there in recovery, they're so powerful because yeah. you start to identify as a member of that community, mm. which is kind of like a, um, like a strength in numbers type thing Absolutely. or um, this, you know, yeah, holding that identity. I'm, I'm a sober person. I'm in recovery. Like mm-hmm. this is no longer me. I think that's powerful. And and also you took effective action. You went outside. Yeah. And you, you know, you called, called an Uber. Uber. You didn't. Got out of there. Yeah you, yeah. you just knew, you knew what was best for you in the moment. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't need to be a, it doesn't need to be a big deal. Right. right. It doesn't need to be like some like, oh, my God, like put that away, you know. <laughs> like, right. They Make everyone to, uncomfortable. Yeah. No, it was just, you know, I'm going to, you know, I, I literally called the Uber. It was like, you know, three or five minutes away. We held a conversation. And once it was getting close, mm-hmm. I stepped outside. You know, it in, in what I said to the guys was, yeah, I'll see you guys there. You yeah. know, easy, easy. So, yeah, I think it's totally doable to, to remove yourself from situations like that. You know, if you if you see a substance on the table or you, you know, you're offered something and you're uncomfortable with it, it's like, you can just leave, man. Right. <laughs> you, don't, you don't owe these guys anything. I, I, you know, I was I was with somebody that I trusted with my buddy. Um, you know, we were having a conversation. And so I felt in that moment, it was like, I don't need to re- remove myself instantly. Um, but it was like, you know, within the next couple of minutes. So, yeah. And I, I did want to touch on that sort of identity comment uh, yeah, that I okay. think is so it's so important. Um, when I first got clean, and I, I think this is one of the things that that really helped as well, mm-hmm. was the the transition immediately from somebody who was, you know, in very early recovery, <laughs> you know, 30, 60, 90 days into somebody that was training to be a, a drug and alcohol counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not, you know, saying to everybody that they need to, you know, go and get certified. Um, 
but you know, if you are in recovery, it's absolutely worth trying to give back right, yeah. in some form because this, this identity is somebody who helps people with addiction is the strongest deterrent against using for me, right? Because anytime a trigger comes up, anytime I'm confronted with a yeah. situation where I could potentially use the, uh, the cognition is instantly, that's not me. Right. I don't do that. Right. I'm a drug and alcohol counselor. And so it's just, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean easy, but it is doable. Yeah. It's an anchor. Oh, for sure. That identity yeah. of being a, a part of a, a sober community in recovery or being yeah. a counselor or, you know, setting up the chairs at a meeting mm-hmm. or, you know, reading, you know, um, one of the many things that are read mm-hmm. in the beginning of a meeting. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. And, you know, having any sort of role like that. Yeah. Right? Or having sponsees, having, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, mentees. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's yeah. so many, obviously, I'm, the subject's broad enough to encompass all these different communities, Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and it's a super important point. Right. Yeah. Um, no, and, and that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, and you know, and I was, when you were saying that I was thinking about, yeah, times that I, uh, was, you know, faced with similar situations in my recovery Yeah, and, and how true what you said was, you know, like, yeah, like that identity really, anchored me and staying on the right path you know being being a counselor working in treatment Mm -hmm. and just recreating yourself in a way to where that stuff those substances is is no longer a part of you anymore you know there's yeah so that's well said you know that there's a you know there is a, a life that you live now where where those substances don't have a place yeah right where those behaviors don't have a place mm um I think that's, you know, that was the idea initially, at least for me, was that if I could set my, if I could set my life up in such a way where, whereas if I went back to using, I would lose everything, Mm. family relationships, right? My romantic relationships, my friends, my job, my housing, (laughs) my personal fitness, my contribution to my community, my spiritual connection, right? I would lose all of those things instantly. That was enough of a deterrent. (laughs) And I still like stakes are high. I still like to think about it that way. It's like, you know, if the stakes aren't high enough, Mm. then what's keeping you from using? Right. If you haven't bought in into your recovery enough, if you haven't invested. That's right. Yeah. uh, uh, That's really cool. There, you know, um, when I asked you the other day, um, when we were kind of, just uh, chatting a little bit to to set up for this show. For sure. You know, and, and there was something you wanted to talk about and and you already, you, you kind of passed over it really quick and it was being that moment you had at the concert. And it, I think there's more depth here. Uh, sure. Where you said you got to experience your authentic self. Yeah. And, and, and I think that was a really powerful uh, moment for you. Um, yeah, and w- when it was brought up the other day, I, I felt like there was there was some depth and weight to um, to that that statement when you made it. And I don't know if you want to, uh, or if there's more you want to dive into about that. But yeah, it sure. felt like there was it was special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how best to articulate uh, 
you know, moments like that because yeah. there's there's a few, right? Like I I've had I've had a few in my recovery where you know, you, you maybe you're in some interaction with somebody. Uh, I actually get them often uh, in when I'm interacting with my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I moments when you feel as though like the person that you are is maybe aligning with like what you think you could be. I, I just, you know, and, and that's not to say that like I'm living up to my potential because I always feel like there's, you know, there's more I could be doing. And I, you know, I struggle with that internally, but there are moments in, in recovery where I do feel like, you know, this is the right thing for me to be doing. Mm. I'm proud of this. I, you know, I'm, I'm currently authentically here. I'm present in the moment in ways that I absolutely could not be if I was using, right? To the degree where, like, sobriety is the way. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other way for me to put that. It's like, it's like, and uh, I'll give, you know, I'll give an example. I'm having a conversation with my partner and you're like, you're looking, you're looking in each other's eyes and it's like, you know, this is an authentic moment between, Mm. you know, two human beings or this, this concert, right? Where, um, where I'm like interacting with strangers and like, and you know, I, I, you know, I'm tapped on the shoulder. I'm like in this like mosh pit, you know, and I'm like tapped on the shoulder and I turn around and this guy is like, this guy's like, he's like wild eyed, you know, and he asks, he's like, are you on something right now? And I'm like, no, bro. <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm like, I bring it with me, you know? And he was like, he's like, oh, cool. You know, <laughs> go back to dancing. But like, it's, it's just moments where you're like, this is the person that I wanted to be. This is the person that I was trying to, uh, that I was trying to augment into mm-hmm. when I was using substances. And it's not all the time. We make mistakes. <laughs> you know, things happen. There's, you know, there's periods of time where things aren't going right. But it's it's moments like those that I think make like recovery worthwhile. So yeah. It's like I'm, you know, I'm here. I'm experiencing this with everybody. It, you know, whether it's one person, whether it's a huge crowd of people, I feel present. I'm, you know, I'm aware of what's going on around me. I'm contributing positive energy to the group. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know, actively being a detriment to society by using, you know, by doing the things that come along with that. There's a, there's a lot of gratitude, I think. And, wow. And yeah. So uh, I would say that there are moments like that. It's like a huge yeah. payoff moment. Yeah, of for all sure. The hard work that you'd put into, and you had this this period of time where you you really postponed or delayed allowing yourself to be in an environment like that, mm-hmm. and for it to all kind of just pay off, like, yeah. and, and for you to experience that sober. Yeah. So cool, man. Yeah, I. I'm not a very good dancer, <laughs> but, I, but, but you, I think I dance a little better now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? It's a, it's a, it's a good, it's a good life. You cut you know? loose. Yeah. Yeah. I, in, in ways that I didn't think was, was ever going to be possible again. I, I really truly felt as though when I got sober that the days of me having fun mm-hmm. were over it was like, now it's just serious. Uh, and, and also that simultaneously I was giving up my freedom by not using. Uh, because I'd equated, you know, using drugs and alcohol, living that lifestyle uh, to, to being free. 
uh, and it took getting sober and experiencing things like what we're talking about now to realize that it was the drugs and alcohol that were holding me back from mm. being who I could be if I was everything I could be. Uh, and true freedom, no strings attached. Yeah, and I mean, there's there's responsibility associated with that, right? Yeah. There's things that I won't do, but I, you know, and, and I tell this to my clients all the time, you know, I, I could use, and so could you, <laughs> but we're not going to because there's something better than that. Yeah. And that's what we're working towards. Yeah. So. Since you're so articulate. <laughs> you're laying down you a really, challenge. You really are. How would you summarize or uh, some of the core elements of the Elevate program? Mm. Like wh- what were some of those those elements that really resonated with you, that, that spoke to you as a person that uh, kind of awakened mm. um, you to, you know, going down that path and, you know, yeah. where you are today. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is responsibility. Uh, it, it was the, the you know, I, I think I lived my whole life running from it. Like, right. I, you know, my dad always told me, you have no responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> no sense of responsibility. And I'm like, you know what, that's, that's fair. Because I didn't. Right. It was like, you know, it was getting bailed out constantly. Mm. Uh, It was, you know, uh, not being accountable for my actions generally um, when, you know, and responsibility always had a really negative connotation. Uh, But I think the the Elevate program put for me sort of put the the spin on responsibility that like this is something that that you can take for yourself Mm -hmm. that will drastically improve your life and the lives of, of those around you. Yeah. It's like if it, you can get this right, <laughs> it made it made responsibility cool. It did not you know? not this thing that that's right. Your parents yeah. kind of <laughs> told you you needed to have. Yeah, you got and, that right. And, which we all rebelled. It made it responsibility this empowering thing. Yeah, absolutely, man. And and I think that was a huge part of it. Uh, and then also, I I was you know exposed for the first time in my life to. Uh, you know, to young adults or mm-hmm. to, you know, like just like 20 somethings that were that made recovery look like it was just bomb it was like, yeah. you know, these guys, these guys and girls like working out every day, like, you know, getting jacked, like eating good food, like laughing all the time, you know, listening to the music they like, you know, going places and doing things, uh, having a great time and not needing substances to augment that to make mm-hmm. it better for them. Um, it was like, this is, you know, it, it, it made the idea of getting sober, like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. And that was something that I hadn't experienced because I, you know, I toured some rehabs <laughs> prior to going to LA. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and this was the time when I, I felt as though the people that were there were, were there because they loved it. It's yeah. like, well, what if we can just, what if I can just do this? It's like, I'm right. just going to stick around and try to, and, and do what these guys are doing. And and maybe show other people that like this is nice, like this is a really good way to live, especially in comparison to where we were. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the the beautiful things about about addiction is that you know when we get sober, we we know what we can be thankful for. It's yeah, like, you know, there were there's times where you're living in like deprivation. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, when you're when you're in addiction and 
you know, once you get sober, you got like a roof over your head, you got clothes, you got like, you know, you got food in your stomach, you know, you're working out, you're getting enough sleep, you know, it's like all of these great things that you just don't, you know, sometimes you don't even think about when you're you know, beforehand or if you're not, you know, an addiction, mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, can really make it worthwhile. You just have to be aware of them. So yeah. 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 I, I think we, we know what we want to avoid. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and it, it takes care of half of the equation. Right, because mm-hmm. you know, on the one hand, of the things that we want to like never go back to, and on the other hand, of the things that like maybe we can get if we if we keep trying this, you know, we keep working towards it. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, we're uh, we're on the path, man. We are. <laughs> you know? um, I feel like uh, something. The only thing that's left unturned here in this conversation for me. Um, is something we've talked about a lot, which is uh, nutrition and oh, and, yeah. and how uh, nutrition has played a role in your recovery and and kind of taking back, uh, you know, control over your life in yeah, a sense for sure. And um, you know, I I don't, I don't know how if you want to get into like the specifics of things that you've done, mm-hmm. but I know it's been um something important to you yeah for sure and it's something you've you know uh put um significant amount of energy into um yeah. I, don't, I don't know where you would want to start with talking about that but <laughs> i yeah, think uh sure. i do think it's unique to you um, yeah, yeah. and you know i'm doing the same stuff uh, yeah, for, for sure. the most part but um yeah what do you think yeah um well <laughs> nutrition is a tough one it uh, is. I think. I think it's. Uh, it's really tough to get good research on nutrition. Yeah. Uh, because nearly everything is epidemiology, uh, and though it is, it is not without its benefits. It's really hard to uh, determine a sort of root cause of either you know positive health change or or negative health change, um, as a result of, of dietary interventions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with with that sort of disclaimer, and also that I am in you know by no means a dietitian. <laughs> I've tried right. a few things in my recovery. Absolutely. Um, I will say that it's important to give a disclaimer. Yeah, yeah. Because this stuff, there's so much information out there, and there's a lot of people arguing over. Yeah. Uh, what's the right way to do things, and mm-hmm. and it, it's interesting. Yeah. It. I would say that when you know when I first got sober, I was about 135 pounds. Uh, and so where are you at today, I, Chris? I, I'm weighing in at about 200 this morning. So, All right. you know, and some may think, oh my God, you know, but, but I promise you it is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm where I want to be. Yeah. Uh, it's a so healthy, it's a, yeah, it's healthy, a healthy, strong 200. I, yes. Yes. I, I, I would hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I weighed about 135 and it just, you know, for those that aren't, you know, uh, that aren't watching, um, it, for me, that was like really, really small. Yeah. Um, and, and 135, that's a yeah, big difference. Light, light. And it was because it was directly a result of, uh, not eating really right. pretty much at all, super malnourished, um, and, and obviously using. Yeah. Um, and so my sort of my like my journey with regard to food in my recovery was initially just like eat a bunch and and get some get some weight back on. Right. Uh, and also, you know, fuel the workouts, but also, to, you know, fuel my brain and, and, to, and yeah. to start like getting healthy again. Um, and so that was, you know, maybe the first six months was just eating whatever. Um, 
I slowly started to transition into uh, like more like meal prepping culture, like really mm. trying to eat like, you know, like a bodybuilder, if you will. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it, that you know, fitness has been such a large part of my recovery, sort of eating in that with that perspective in mind. Like I'm going to, you know, eat to fuel my workouts. Um, then when I was, you know, about two and a half years ago, um, I was suffering from a number of uh, sort of like gut issues and just like general general health stuff was going on mm-hmm. uh, as a you know I felt like as a result of my diet um, just what I was eating dominoes things of that nature <laughs> lots know? of process yeah lots of process high sodium stuff um, but you know I, I around that time I had started meal prepping and really started to um, dial in on exactly you know what what I was putting in my body every day and I was eating a very um, I would say classic diet of like you know we're we're talking chicken uh, Mm -hmm. sweet potatoes broccoli cauliflower carrots a little bit of red meat not a lot Mm -hmm. eggs yogurt uh, protein powder that was about it Pretty, so pretty stripped down. Pretty stripped Like bodybuilding.com, 3,000 calories a day, <laughs> yeah. like to a T exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing that and I felt terrible. Oh, um, yeah. And, um, and it was just, it, all of my conditions were getting worse. Oh, no. And so at that point, I was actually introduced to, uh, to the carnivore diet. Yeah. And so I, I the made. The ultimate elimination diet. I made the jump and did just beef. Yeah. For about a year it was a beef it was beef and eggs yeah uh, for about a year and a little and i started adding in honey um now i immediately dropped about 10 pounds yeah <laughs> like less than a week and then after that so where um, were you at then uh, weight wise uh, i was you probably think? down to about 170 okay so maybe yeah okay. maybe 185 before that but um yeah i went on carnivore and immediately my you know all of my gi problems vanished it was like, you know, out of nowhere, I felt so much better. Um, and I, you know, I talked to one of the, someone I knew who's a nurse and I, you know, she asked me, she's like, well, what's your diet like these days? And I was like, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about just eating meat. And, uh, and she was like, well, well, you'll die. <laughs> It'll kill you. You know, so anyway, fast forward a year later, you know, I, I you know, do my blood work and yeah. everything's fine. Right. Wow, like like yeah. perfect, perfect blood work. Um, you know, lower than average cholesterol, like things are good, you know, and I've been mm-hmm. keep in mind, I've been eating like ribeye steaks yeah. <laughs> twice a day for a year, you know? Yeah. So like, and things are really good, you know, eggs like, and ribeye. Yeah. Good health. Um, and I, you know, I, I flip flopped a little bit after that. Um, you know, I, I've always found, especially on carnivore that, um, my, it's really tough to get enough calories in the day. Yeah. Um, and so currently now I I'm not doing it. Um, mm-hmm. but my, my like digestive stuff is fine. It's, wow. it feels as though it's, it's like, like pretty a, much cured. A big reset for you. Oh almost. yeah. 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 Mm. Um, to the degree where like a lot of that stuff has never come back. Um, yeah. I have had some like skin problems that have come and gone, but, um, mm. and you know, but, but currently I'm, I'm healthy. I'm eating, you know, I'm eating some Costco lasagna now and again, <laughs> which, yeah. hey, you know, yeah, say what you will, but uh, definitely, you know, eating to fuel the workouts still, um, you know, I feel like I have a pretty pretty healthy relationship with food, but I'm definitely eating a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's too much else I want to say on that um, other That's than, okay. God, I love cooking. I just, I love grilling meat for some reason. Yeah. Like, I just, it, it makes me so happy to, like, cook for people and yeah. you know, I'll like I'll cook uh, or like I'll grill 
And, uh, you know, every time we have a family get together, lots this summer, yeah. <laughs> I do the grilling and, uh, and people seem to like it. Enjoy you know, that and process. I just, yeah. I like it, you know, yeah. and, uh, and just eating it and you know, sharing it with people is, uh, has been a lot of fun. So yeah, I do that. That's but, awesome, man. Yeah. yeah thanks for tapping into that. Cause I, I do think it's unique. Uh, in a sense that you tried something like that, you know, uh, to yeah. correct, you know, some, some health problems and, and, you know, yeah, what I will say is that, um, I think a lot of people are really against the idea of doing something like carnivore, like an elimination diet like that. Yeah. Um, but I would say that everybody I've talked to that has had, you know, significant, you know, gut or digestive problems that has tried it has, has felt a lot better. Right. Um, but again, with that said, you know, like if your doctor is telling you, you shouldn't be doing that. Absolutely. Listen to your doctor, you know, I'm not making any recommendations. I'm just saying what worked for me. Yeah. So, and, and that's cool, you know, and it, it's cool to, um, you know, possibly spark the interest of others to, to try something, uh, new for themselves, you know, um, something yeah, sure. if they're going through, you know, Skin problems, uh, you know, health problems, asthma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know. Anyways, uh, so my last question for you is: What would you say to any family or any potential clients that are listening um, to possibly encourage them to get help? Is there is there anything that you would uh, sure. say to encourage them to, you know, take action or. Yeah. 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 It is so much better. <laughs> like uh, I, it, it is, it is impossible. I would say for me to adequately put this one into words, but uh, the, and this is going to sound so weird, but the best thing that ever happened to me was my addiction. Yeah. Because getting sober and sharing this process with, with other people through my work, through, you know, the, the stuff I do now, uh, has been, it, it has provided the meaning that sustains my life. It is so, so good. It was, a, it, I mean, obviously, you know, Elevate is, is in, at least in part to thank for that. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing program. Uh, but, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with addiction, if you've got something going on that, you know, <laughs> that you can't stop on your own, please, please reach out because uh, you don't want that to go on, right? It is so much better to recover. <laughs> we know what it can get like, you know, we're trying to, we made these mistakes so that maybe somebody else doesn't have to. And I just, you know, I, I hope to continue to do this work because it just, I see that, I see the improvement in the people that we work with. And it is like, I, I'll like tear up thinking about it. It's yeah. like so good uh, to see people get their lives back on track, to get their families to get together, to like get a job that they want, to go back to school, to like get that light in their eyes again. It's like this this process of recovery has been the best thing that has ever happened to me, you know, and, and I imagine that it will be <laughs> going yeah. forward. Uh, it's made everything possible, you know, and uh, I would just, yeah, if you're considering going to treatment or you're, you're struggling with addiction, like, reach out please you know again the, the absence of your best is uh, you're robbing the world and it's a tragedy so reach Beautiful. out get some help beautiful man thank you so much man for being on the show anytime and you know talking about your life getting a little vulnerable and um you know it, you are such an interesting person uh, a good friend of mine 
uh, awesome colleague. Right back at you. <laughs> you know, and uh, so I look forward to uh, uh, many years ahead of us. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens with the study. Sure thing. And that is going to be it for today's show. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much, Tom. All right, everyone. That is our show for the day. We hope you found some value in listening. And if you did, please share this podcast with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free, confidential, 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.